What's going on? This is the Better Than I Found It podcast. This is Mikel. Uh, Coach McGraw is here per usual. Hello, Coach. How you doing, Mikel? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a, an exciting week. Lots of golf to talk about. But first of all, uh, for this episode, we have started this segment that I'm excited about. Gotten some feedbacks. So I know the folks out there are excited to hear uh, a new portion of your top five rounds that you've ever witnessed in college golf. And this week, we're on the number four spot. The number five spot we did last week, that was Charles Howell, 63, as part of that NCAA title. What, what do you have for us this week in the number four slot? Well, this week's best round, one of the best rounds that I've ever seen in college golf is a 10 under par 62 by Morgan Hoffman back in 2009 at the Southern Highlands Collegiate. So before I tell you about the round, let me, let me kind of describe Southern Highlands. Um, it's an unusual golf course, very beautiful. Uh, you know, it's in, the, it's in Las Vegas, so it's in a very arid region, but they've brought in thousands and thousands of uh, pine trees and different kinds of trees like that to make it, give it a little bit more of a, mountain feel, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, but they have the firmest, fastest greens we see all year long in college golf. In fact, so firm and so fast as to be somewhat almost unrealistic. We don't ever see that kind of condition. And I love it. Yeah. I think it's important because it puts kids on, on their heels. It, it has such a hard edge to it, especially when the wind blows 15 or 20 miles an hour, that it just really makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think um, that Dwayne Knight at UNLV is a big part of that. He wants it to be a really tough championship. They call it the Southern Highlands Collegiate Masters, and it's just a great event. But in 2009, the greens were particularly firm and fast that year. And as it did, it does every year, it draws a great field. That year, you had number one, Georgia, number two, Southern Cal, number three, Oklahoma State, number four, Clemson, number eight, Texas, number 11, Florida, number 20, Texas A&M, and there were five other teams between 25th and 40th ranked in the country. So it was the best field we saw all year until the NCAA championship. And that's pretty much the way it is every year at Southern Highlands Collegiate, great field. And this particular year, uh, we played a pretty decent first round, nothing amazing. I think we shot three under par and we were fairly near the lead. But in the second round, Morgan shot 29 in the front, which was six under and then a four under on the back. And the wind was blowing, as I said, 15 miles an hour or more. And with firm, fast greens and a little bit of rough, it was a really tough test that day. Just to give you some perspective on this round, um, Oklahoma State with Morgan's 10 under par, we shot 18 under that day. And against that field I just described to you that was really one of the best in the whole country, the next best score was even par 288. So for some, for somebody to shoot 10 under par individually, when the best team score that, that day was 288 even par, was really, quite frankly, an unthinkable round. I didn't, I didn't see a 10 under par. Heck, I didn't see five under par that day. I didn't even barely see any under par rounds. So to have had that 10 under par on our team was obviously a great jump start. Now, unlike 2000, where Charles Howell's 63 led to victory, <laughs> UNLV came back in an amazing way that final round and had a guy hole out a bunker shot in the last hole to beat us by a shot. So it wow. didn't have the great happy ending that uh, Charles, Charles Howe's 63 had, but it did, it did put etching upon my memory one of the greatest rounds I've ever seen, 10 under par on a golf course where 10 under par did not exist. That's amazing. That's Morgan Hoffman. He's a former guest on the podcast, I believe, episode five. But yeah, that's uh, that's amazing, and I'd say the same thing I said last week. I'm like, where where do we go from here? Because I've been out there as well the last three years, and that golf course is really tough. And like you said, it is a great challenge, especially on and around the greens. So that is uh, fantastic. Um, so that's a great part of the segment there. I can't wait where we go from here, Coach, with the top three. Um, but um, before we talk about this week's golf, let's uh, let's take a little bit of a Baylor golf minute here. Uh, we're still qualifying. Uh, where are we at with our qualifying coach? Well, as I said last week, uh, Cooper Dossie won the first available spot with a tournament a week ago, a qualifying tournament. 
uh, with uh, scores of, what did he shoot, 63, 66, 62, played great. This week we're having another qualifying tournament, and tomorrow will actually be the final round. This week's leader is Ryan Greider. He shot 65, 68, he's leading by three shots uh, going into the final round. And that the winner of this qualifying will win another uh, available spot. And then the coaches will pick the other four spots on the team. So uh, Ryan's playing beautifully. I think every round he's played, including the other three last week, have all been under par. He's playing very, very well. So look forward to seeing who gets that spot tomorrow. It may be Ryan, it may be someone else, but uh, certainly pretty fired up about that. And we will be leaving for our first tournament, which will be at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth. We leave on Sunday and uh, all Big 10 or Big 12 teams will be there. So it'll be sort of a Big 12 preview stroke play portion next week at Colonial. Yep, it will be uh, exciting. Can't wait to get on the road again. Um, and we have some professional players playing as well uh, around the country. Kyle Jones is uh, in Wichita for the Corn Ferry Tour, also former podcaster. I know Garrett Mays, uh, former podcaster, is heading out to Florida to play some local IQ tournaments out there. And then uh, we had Jimmy Walker, of course, at the U.S. Open. Um, didn't, didn't do so well this week, shot 72-78, and unfortunately missed the cut. But... Um, it was still a lot of fun for us to watch the U.S. Open, wasn't it, Coach? Yeah, that was really great. And it's always fun to watch Jimmy play. He's a, a Baylor alum and certainly a major champion and a lot of great things that Jimmy's done in the game of golf. But this week, uh, something I noticed that I liked a lot was very refreshing to me, and that was the final group, the final round of the U.S. Open, and, and that was Bryson DeChambeau and, and Matthew Wolf. And what I loved about it was – it's just so nice to see two players doing it their own way that have very unusual approaches to the game and or golf swings and showing us that it doesn't have to be cookie cutter. And for many, many years, I believe that a lot of people have been teaching the game to a look, you know, to something the way it looks. And I don't believe in that. And I'll never forget what Peter Costas said when he said, uh, you know, it's funny. They can make fun of Jim Furyk's swing all they want. I just know in my day we had a lot of funny swings hitting it in the fairway. And today they've got a lot of pretty swings hitting it in some funny places. So I think what his point was, was you need to be authentic to who you are and swing the golf club the way you are. And like Arnold Palmer once said, swing your swing. That's just what you do. And I think the beautiful part about watching that final round yesterday was both of those guys are doing it their own way. And you can't argue with success. And it was fun to see. And it was a great match. And Bryson just played some amazing golf. And he literally overpowered that golf course and the field uh, with a great uh, U.S. Open. I think he just became the third person, Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus being the other two, to win the uh, U.S. Amateur, the NCAA Championship, and a U.S. Open. So congratulations yeah. to both of them. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing to see. And it's just really cool for college golf as well. I know we like to point the finger back at ourselves here and, and back to college golf, but it just validates the level of the top players in the game. Bryson DeChambeau, I believe, is a 2016 graduate. Is that correct, Coach? It is. And then Matthew Wolf obviously turned pro a year ago. So it's really cool to see those guys do so well. Today we have two guys on the podcast, Coach, that also do it their own way, the Bryan brothers. Yes, uh Wesley and George Bryan are two very dear friends of mine and, and guys that I watched play collegiate golf. They played at South Carolina, but they just take an approach to the game of golf that, again, is refreshing. And both of them have great golf swings. They're easy to look at their golf swings, but they just have so much fun and enjoy the game so much. And they've taken kind of a different approach to the, the game of, of golf and competing and just living life. So I really am excited that the two of them uh, decided to come on to the podcast today because I think they're going to give a good perspective on uh, how you can play at a competitive level at a very high level and still enjoy it all the way. Yeah, they're just fun. There's great insight for the current uh, college golfers out there, junior players that are about to step into college golf, and definitely for golf parents. So there's tons of valuable information here and just a fun conversation with those guys. So uh, let's go say hello to the Bryan brothers.
George and Wes Bryan. Goodness gracious, it's great to have you guys on the podcast today. It is an honor um, and a privilege. A legendary coach like yourself, I mean, decent human, but I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I am too. Wes, you? You're not excited, Wes? <laughs> Uh, no, not, not too much. I feel like this obligation's bogging me down a little bit. So the quicker we can get through the better coach. Well, okay. We'll work on that. But, uh, I always like George a lot more than you. So <laughs> you just validated. <laughs> that is that. a lie. That is a lie coach. Well, is this, cool. is this a competitive thing here? You recruited Wesley a little bit. Why, why not? If you really liked me better, what, what about me? I was the uh, – when you were going through the recruiting process, your junior and senior year, I was actually the women's golf coach at Oklahoma State <laughs> or maybe the assistant. So uh, sure. you'd had to have – that just wouldn't have worked. So uh, – but I did, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But – so I'm going to ask a question. You guys grew up, siblings obviously, that played the game of golf. So can you tell me just kind of how much of a rivalry you started back then and is it still in existence today? Um, yeah, I think it's honestly, it's less than it was back in, you know, I, I'd say middle school and high school was like the peak, maybe late elementary school, middle school, um, because then we became friends like right around college and it was like still a rivalry. So we still wanted to beat each other, but it was like, we were more friends, but I will say it was, it got heated in the middle school years. Like. Wesley made me cry numerous times. Um, I want, like, if I lost to him, my, my whole week would be ruined. So it was wow. awesome having that, like, that drive to compete. And, and obviously it was really good, so it helped um, fuel our – or better our games. But, yeah, it was, it was intense. Yeah, I would say I got uh, – from George, he, he told me that I'd sometimes like to do some psychological warfare <laughs> is the terminology for it. And what I would do is I would just make gentle jabs. And he didn't know if I was kidding or not kidding, whether it would be about his putting stroke or his practice swings or whatever it was. And then by the end of the day, I could have him so frazzled to where, like you said, he was cussing at me, crying, and just didn't know how to operate. That was early, mid-high school for me. I mean, but Coach, so – Wesley obviously is good. He knows golf and like he wants to help me out like 90% of the time. So we're out playing a match and he'll say, Hey man, we're like, you're aimed a little right on that, on that practice stroke. Or you took a little inside, like, were you trying to do that? Or like, <laughs> I don't know if you were trying, but like, that's just what you did. And I'm like, wait, is he being serious? Like, or is he just trying to, yeah. Then by that time he had me and I was, I was toast. <laughs> so essentially Wes is your sports psychologist yeah. in kind of a evil way. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm a I'm a sports psychologist sabotageist. <laughs> That's what I am. Well, good job then. And he's surviving, and he's even playing good golf in spite of you. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, that, so it's good to hear that there's a sibling rivalry. My siblings, uh, my older brother Tim was a really good player. He, he played in the men's state amateur at 11. Played in the trans miss at 13. Um, he was a great player as a young, and I wasn't even close to being as good as him. But I had a twin sister who won nine women's Oklahoma State Amateur Championships, a couple of state high school championships. I mean, she was a great player. So we had a sibling rivalry, but she just played one tee or two tees ahead of me. So um, you guys played the same tees all the time, I'm sure. And we also never let our younger sister, who's four years younger than me, play up tees in matches. Oh, that was good. So, nice. to, this, to this day, she still never beat me, not even on a nine-hole match. So you feel pretty good about that, do you, Mr. PGA Tour? <laughs> oh, I feel, no, I feel great about it <laughs> because she, she slipped up on George a few times and beat him. Uh, beat, I don't know if – No, she, she has definitely beat you at least once tied, and maybe twice. I think maybe tied. I don't know if she ever no, beat you, but for no, sure No, no, she's, she's for sure beaten you. She for sure tied me once. Wow. Okay. Well, it's good to know that in other families, there's a sibling rivalry, just like there was in mine. Uh, oh, yeah. But yours looks a little more heated. My sister and I actually like each other. So, um, Oh, my sister's like one of my best buds. Good. Mike. I love it. I love it. Oh, wait, do I, can I call you Mike or do I have to call you You coach? can call me anything you want today, but you'll be calling me long distance tomorrow. That was an old saying of my dad's. You didn't get it. It went right over your head, didn't it? 
<laughs> Sorry. No, you can call me Mike. That's great. You know. Okay. Okay. Well, that's the one thing I was going to ask you about too, both of you. Um, I think probably my coaching career, my playing career, just about everything about me was influenced by my dad. And I know your dad, George, has had a great influence on both of you. Can you guys just kind of talk about that? And it could be golf influence, life influence, just all of that. Jump in there and talk to me about George. He's a great man. Yeah, he it started early age for um, for me. I mean, it's probably not by accident, but it started just him bringing me to the golf course, not really teaching me golf or doing anything other than just like, hey, come hang out with me at the golf course, and I would just hang out with him at work, and his work happened to be golf. And so, you know, from two, three, four, five years old, I'm just hanging out with him at the golf course. So I kind of equated um, – I don't know. So it, it, I grew to love the game of golf, not by accident, but just through him. He didn't force it on us or anything. And so then it turns into me wanting to play the game with him. And we had, you know, that bond of, of golf um, that drew us together. And, yeah, on the golf course, he kind of made um, and helped me and Wesley get to where we are. Um, and I think the, the cool thing or the great thing is he, he did it in such a way where we still love the game to this day. He didn't force it down our throats and, like, make it, hey, you got to go practice eight hours a day. You're not doing this. And so we grew to love the game instead of just being good at it. And um, that's the really cool thing that I'm appreciative of for sure. But, yeah, I mean, he was instrumental. He was there. Anything we ever needed golf-wise or anything outside of golf, um, he was there. And the supported, like, even in our worst days, he would say, man, you, you guys are so good, so proud of you. And so I think that helped as well as, like, instill that confidence um, with – even when we played, I mean, I'd shoot 90 in a tournament, and he was like, man, you played, I mean, so your game looks great, you're still great. And so that, again, he was very supportive. Um, and, and, on, and on the flip side, he didn't let us be lazy. He, he told yeah. us, he was like, hey, I'll pay for all your entry fees, I'll sign you up and do all that stuff if you're prepared. If, yeah. if I don't think that you've been preparing properly for an event, then I'm not paying your entry fee. So it was he, – he still challenged us to work hard. And then speaking to his character, you know he's a, probably a pretty good human when, when everybody in your friend group is better friends with your dad than they are with you. Um, that's probably when you know you got a pretty cool dad. Well, I like that because that's, that's truly a life lesson he was teaching you there. That wasn't about golf at all. That was just about hard work and what it does for you. My dad taught me the same thing. And – and really, I remember meeting your dad the first day I met you, Wes, at the 2006 U.S. Junior at Rancho Santa Fe Country Club. Yep. And you, were, you had the first tee time on a Saturday morning practice round before the tournament. You were early. You betcha. And, and your dad noticed that I was the only coach out there. And he came over and introduced himself to me. And I thought, well, I just signed up Wesley Bryan from South Carolina. That guy's coming to Oklahoma State. And then you broke my heart several years later. Yes, did. You, you did. You wrote me a nice handwritten letter, okay. and I still, I still have it to this day. Wow. I've got one from you. I've got one from Larry Penley, and I don't think, I don't think Puggy actually handwrote me a letter okay. from South Carolina at the time, but yeah, I still got him. That's great. George, I didn't get to recruit you. You were just too old. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing about me is, like, I think that's why no one, not a lot of people recruited me because everyone knew I was going to South Carolina. And honestly, I couldn't have, me as a fan, which I think is interesting in any college sports, but I grew up a big Gamecock fan. And if I would have gone to any other school, I would have been weird playing golf for a school and, and pulling for that team. But also in my heart, being a Gamecock fan, I'd be like, oh, this is like, who am I supposed to pull for? And and so I knew I was going to go to Gamecock. As long as they were decent enough, I was like, I'm going to go there. Anyway, and so then when I went, I think, thankfully, our relationship was good enough because, like, I really wanted to play with Wesley in college. But at the same time, I was like, man, Oklahoma State, like, that's legit because y'all were, like, the real deal. And, it, I mean, an honor to be even recruited by you guys at the time. And so I was like, crap, like, is he, he has to come here. But at the same time, it's going to be kind of a, a weird decision. So, um Thankfully, I got it for yeah. free. I mean, the, the class in front of me was Ricky Fowler and Kevin Tway, and then my class would have been Peter Uline, Morgan Hoffman, and one of my favorites, Sean, the Prince, Einhaus. He's, he's everybody's favorite. <laughs> um, 
and yeah, it just, it would have been a lineup that I couldn't have gotten into. So I'm glad I made the decision that I made. We did have a good yeah. team back then. There's no doubt about it. And South Carolina was a long way to come to Oklahoma State anyway. But, but I, that does segue nicely into what I wanted to ask you about. So you got to play on the team together at South Carolina for two years. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Three, two? Mm -hmm. talk, two. Talk to me about that. I know there were some amazing experiences that came out of that. Yeah, I, I mean – it was really cool. Obviously, he was my best friend starting, I guess, my senior year in high school-ish. Whenever we were both in high school, I think is when we became, like, really good friends. And so that was awesome. But then, like, our core friend group that we had on the team, uh, we were all really close and played junior golf together. And it was, like, an, it really was amazing um, rooming with a couple of our best friends for a couple of years and doing life and then uh, playing college golf together. Um, so it, it really was amazing. But – it, it was cool being able to – because we were comfortable with each other. We knew each other's games. And I think, like, in college, especially when you're getting pulled in every different direction, having someone that you can trust, hey, how's my swing looking? What do you think about my game? I need some advice. Because, because we, we all come there with pretty good skill sets. And as a college coach, what I think is you have to manage everyone's whatever. You're not there to be a swing coach for every single person if they don't need it. Um, and so that was good to have Wesley to, like, he knew my game and I could trust him and – um, from the golf side, that was cool. But life, um, just hanging out with him every day, doing, just going to study hall, goofing around, um, going to tournaments together, it really was a lot of fun. And there, we were just talking about the other day some of the the finer moments, the not so fine moments of. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> we had we had some awesome. amazing times. We also in, at the end of the day, like whether there there would be disagreements on the team, like there's always drama on every college sports team. But I always knew that George always had my back and I always had his back, no matter the, the stance that was being taken by anybody on the team. <laughs> the only problem with our experience in college is nobody would gamble against us. Like, they would never let George and I be on the same team in any match at any time. So that was a disappointing part. Yeah, no one would even take a – yeah, we didn't gamble in college. But nobody would even take <laughs> a match against George. Period. Oh. George, George would have to do, like, three-on-one matches. Well, George was an All-American, if you'll recall, Wesley. Three-time All-American. I know. I was a zero-time All-American. Yeah, yeah. But he was a great player now, and he still is. But that I wouldn't play him for $5 either if I were you. Yeah. I, well, no, I would. I was the only person that would take any, any, I don't know, bets on Gatorade and snacks or whatever we gambled for, peanuts and Cokes. You guys have no more eligibility. You can talk about gambling if you'd like to now. All right. Yeah. We, we gambled a whole bunch, man. I'd hate to – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, ne I never teed it up for free. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, that's why he runs the PGA. In junior, in junior golf, high school golf, college golf, amateur golf, pro golf, never for free. I love it. Got to play. Got to play. Work, work those nerves. Work the skills. It's good. Mm -hmm. I like what that, uh, that – on that note, Dad – Fed us to the wolves at a very young age. He's like in the local, like I wouldn't say that we have the gambling, the local, uh, the dog fight, the local, the local match. At like eleven or twelve years old, right, wrong, or different, he would just send us, "Hey, here's the entry fee. Go and I'll, I'll spot you, but go and play." And so we learned how to play for like it was not that much money, but still it was like enough to get us kind of nervous. Hundreds of dollars at age like twelve. Yeah, and we had like <laughs> ten footers for real. I don't know. So it was like good to get those nerves those competition like playing for money at an early age now you know fast forward we're pro golf pro golfers playing for money and stuff and it's um yeah so it's cool to look back on that it, <laughs> at 12 years old we're, we're, we have putts for a hundred dollars or so and uh, <laughs> yeah it, it was cool well uh, i think it, it's kind of cool that you guys uh really enjoyed your time together you know at <laughs> south carolina i mean that's a an experience not very many people get to have is competing a power five school, you know, division one uh, for national championships, conference championships with your brother. That's pretty amazing. So mm -hmm. you, you did that. Um, you guys had a great experience there, I assume, uh, with the rest of the teammates. But oh, yeah. so you, you both turned professional. And, and I know a lot of things have happened that are different during that time. But a couple of things I'm really, really interested in uh, are just how you got into the trick shot artist part of it. And then the YouTube channel you created that has just been amazing. So those are two things that I want you guys to talk about. Tell us how you got there. 
Yeah, like 2014, I, I'm fresh out of money from professional golf. I played so well that I lost all my money. And I was like, well, I uh, can't do Q school this year. And Wesley was too, uh, Wesley was funded. He was playing. But I was like, you oh, also, you also, you also spin it pretty liberally. Oh, you would buy me cool. shoes and ping pong tables and clothes <laughs> and pretty much anything. I mean, you took yeah, me to Vegas. That, that, was, <laughs> that was 2010, all right, Wesley? Um, right, um, but what I'm saying is that's why you ran out in, by 2014. And my, yeah, anyway, so um, I'm, like, looking for money, doing odd jobs, caddying, and had a lot of free time. We just randomly put this video on, um, on YouTube because we had saw, seen someone on ESPN do a trick shot. And, like, hey, I think we can do better than that. So we put it on YouTube, and it kind of went viral within our friend group. And everyone's, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. It got shared by a couple um, outlets. And we're like, wow. I mean, that was kind of cool. I didn't expect it to be that big. But let's try another one and see what happens. I got nothing but time. Wesley kind of um, obliged and, and, and let me do it with him. And so the second video got the same response, but maybe even more. And I was like, holy cow, like, we might actually have something here. Because we were – like, Dude Perfect was someone who we followed, and we really enjoyed their videos. And we are like, there's no one in the golf space doing what they're – or in the golf space doing what they're doing. We could be that guy. I don't know if anything could come of this, but let's put some videos out there. Let's see what happens and maybe make some money, fund our golf, do something. And then sure enough, every video kept – um, snowballing and get picked up we kept growing and we had ourselves a little something um, a little brand less than you know six months later so it was honestly to in hopes to fund mini tour golf for both of us at the time that's and by fun. golly we did it yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it we had one of my buddies from college just turned into kind of our agent or our first line of defense when people would ask us to do things We're like hey we need someone to like shoot back emails not from us yeah, and he he started doing that. He crushed it for a couple of years for us, yeah. about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Got us like severely overpaid, and because what we were doing just wasn't really that special or that cool. Or it was it was unique, but it wasn't it wasn't phenomenal. Well, in my in my opinion, as far as I can tell, I don't know of anyone uh, in the history of golf, or at least recent memory, who's funded their golf by doing the trick shots or, you know, something online like that is a very creative way to keep yourself playing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the YouTube thing came, but I mean, that's just where we put all our stuff. But now I would say segueing to the YouTube is I kind of revamped. I, I, well, fast forward, I needed to figure out how I was going to fund golf and life and, wife house all that stuff that goes along with real 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 world responsibilities so it's like i have this youtube channel hadn't you really used it in a while this is um the beginning of 20 um beginning of this year in 2020 i was like you know what i'm gonna start making youtube videos again we'll see what happens and i'll put some out there everyone's like, yeah that's cool and then wesley was like dude why don't you use me on the channel anymore i was like well i didn't know you wanted to be here and so uh, we put a little match video together on here and it kind of blew up. And that's what kind of reignited uh, the 2020 version of YouTube and Brian Bros. Um, and kind of documenting the real golf that I play and that Wesley plays that we're real golfers. We don't have to do trick shots. I mean, we can do fun challenges, but it's going to showcase and highlight our journey, our story um, of professional golf and try to help people get better on, along the way. We yep. made some fundamental mistakes. Um, if we had started doing what George is doing now back in 2015, we would, we would be doing a heck of a lot better than where we're at. The, the longer form, more ads on it and vlog style stuff instead of just quick 30 second clips is the way to do it. If you're trying to monetize on YouTube. So um, we made some mistakes, but now I think George is on a very like stable path to success on the online world well, isn't that what pretty much anything in life is about is learning from your mistakes so you yes there you go. well that takes me back to 2015 actually i had known you guys but coach mckell my assistant had not known you and he was the senior on the team at baylor you guys were coming through baylor at the time yeah. i think it was to see joe is that correct yeah or, our, our agent that yeah. we just talked about yeah, you were coming through to see Joe, and you asked me, could I get you on a golf course? So I got you on Twin Rivers, and I put Mikel with you. Coach Mikel, you want to talk about that day? 
Uh, it was a really fun day. I think we only played nine holes. And if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, it was for some reason I was the lucky one to get to play with the Steen Bryan brothers that were blowing up online everywhere. And I think Travis Wolf from CGF was the last. You, you bet you Travis Wolf right? played with us. Wasn't that how it worked out? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, really fun. And I've been a fan, you know, from a distance, for, you know, since that time. Um, but kind of, I, I, I need to sneak in a question because going back to the YouTube channel, I'm a fan and I follow you guys and I watch your stuff. I think it's great. You guys just have like a really fun edge to golf. And um, I think that's why you're so popular. Like, how how important is that for you guys to relate to to junior golfers? And um, I guess why do you take that approach in your videos? I think I mean that, that's what one thing Dad did a great job is like telling us that golf is fun. It's a game. It's meant to be played. And I play my best golf when I'm having fun and treating it as such like a game. I'm not all tense and nervous and I'm just hitting shots, trying to figure out how to get the ball in the hole. Um, and so at an early age, that was like fun, 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 fun. And now, you know, all these years later, I see the value in treating it as a fun game. And that's kind of what I want to do is make golf or show when I, when I'm playing golf, I'm having fun that I'm having a good attitude and showcase that side of golf. And I think, especially when you get me and Wesley involved, it just it just comes across as like we're having fun on the golf course. Oh, we're having fun, but then we're doing it on a golf course instead of just like we're playing golf and making it all serious and showing that you don't have to be like uh, whoever the uh, super serious PGA Tour player is every single time you play. You can still play good golf and hit good golf shots when you're just loose and being normal. And so I think that's one of the cool things that we can help, you know, the younger kids, the college players, the people who are trying to get better at golf is just say, hey, just relax take a deep breath and just enjoy yourself out there. Yeah. And I, I would add on that, like, if you, if you notice on the channel, I, I sometimes am a little bit hurtful with the things that I say towards George. I might talk a little bit of trash. I am loud at times and all that goes back to, I mean, I was this, I've been the same way on the golf course yeah. for 20 plus years. And I, I actually had this conversation the other day with a um, junior golfer's parent who was asking me about the importance of having a good attitude and I think I kind of flipped the script on her a little bit when I said I would love to see your child get angry throw clubs maybe even yell obscenities slam stuff because that means one that he cares and two that he's probably really good if he's got very high expectations of himself so I wouldn't address that just yet. I, I grew up once I got to college and shortly thereafter. Um, but as far as what it takes on the golf course, it takes a, a different type of fire to be able to compete at the highest levels. And I, I mean, I don't know if you endorse it at all, but as a coach, I would love to see my kids get a little bit angry, mostly in practice and when it when it comes time to compete and the lights go off, you you have a little bubble that you kind of need to stay in, um, as far as your actions and reactions go. But man, in practice and on the practice field, I'd like to see a little bit of color when it comes to your emotions. You know, you say that. I, I think I used to be the other way. I think I was about, you know, being very stoic and keep your emotions always under control. I think the only time that I would be against emotions would be if you, uh, if it causes worse golf, if, mm -hmm. you know, as long as your golf's good and getting better, if you show a little emotion, that's great. But I think what coach McKell was alluding to is you guys just look like you're having so much fun. I mean, oh, we do. That's, that's what made me a fan of you guys, you know, five years ago, whenever this was, that I got to meet you guys and play golf with you is like, yeah, I can tell that you guys are serious about it. You're great players. You work to get better all the time. But you got this fun edge about you, and it's about having fun on the golf course when you guys are playing your matches. Mm -hmm. I think that shows really well coming through the videos and people get to know you guys. And I just think that's so healthy for junior golfers to see. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's two well-made points. One, mm -hmm. have fun on the golf course. Two, it's okay to have a little fire. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. And I think a lot of people sometimes mistake the fact that you guys are having so much fun that it's like, we're just goofing off. You're dead serious about being great players. You both are. So let's, 
let's kind of move on to the competitive aspect. You know, we've talked about the sibling rivalry, but you don't always play against each other. You're out playing against other players. So let's talk about your competitive side and where you are right now with your games and where you, you know, you're competing. So either one of you jump in there and talk to talk to me about competitive golf and where you are right now. Well, if this, I don't, I mean, I guess this gives an indication of where Wesley is currently, but he calls me up yesterday or maybe two days ago. It was like, you know what? I think I want to have a little three V one, like me and another pro is not enough. I want to have you and two other pros take me on George. I was like, wait, so you're playing what you playing that good. He's like, yeah, I think I could beat three of you guys. I'm like, <laughs> uh, Wesley's game is really good. And it's, I, I mean, it's only he's getting, it's getting better too. He's getting more comfortable out there, more into the like tournament golf aspect. Well, I would say competitively where I'm at, I've, I, I transitioned from having playing college golf, having that environment. I really love the competitiveness of college golf. And I stayed in Columbia and after I graduated and still hung out with some of the guys on the team. And then I moved to Augusta when my wife got into PA school there and I started practicing and, and playing a lot with the Augusta state golf team, now Augusta university and at their practice facility, just because I love that competitive environment. And then one of the main factors of me moving back to Columbia was having access um, at the facility here that I'm currently at at university of South Carolina and playing and practicing with their golf team. So I, I like the competitiveness that a college golf team provides. And um, that's kind of where I've, I've floated uh, between Augusta and here. Um, and then the, the relationship aspect, I feel like one of the, I'm not going to say gifts that I have, but one of the things that I enjoy most is pouring into 18 to or really like 15 to 20 year olds into their lives. And, because I made, I made a lot of mistakes at that point in my life and um, hopefully yeah. help them along in their journey because it's, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a tough road ahead uh, because the facts of the matter is not everybody's going to play professional golf and do what I do um, on a college golf team. But as far as just life is concerned, um, I like just having that age kids to hang out with. Let's get both of you what your kind of competitive – what your schedule is going to look like this year, what you've got to play in, what you think you're going to be playing in. Yeah. So I got the uh, YouTube invitational at uh eight golf club. Let's see. Then the Lexington invite it on YouTube. It, yeah. It's mainly, so this year with Q school being canceled um, and at the kind of early on when, when COVID hit, it was like right as my YouTube channel was kind of trending upward. And I was like, okay, I can see if I can put some work in here, it can grow to where hopefully it'll sustain me and I can afford to play competitive golf without having to worry about anything. And then you start making so much daggum money that you're like, screw the competing thing. Yeah. And then so they canceled Q school. I'm like, well, this is easy. I'm not like, I, I can make more money doing YouTube videos than I can without the chance of losing a thousand dollars at a mini tour event that I've done for the last what, 10 years. So I was like, okay, we're going to focus the rest of this year on YouTube, growing that, keeping my game sharp or whatever. And then next year when Q, Q school comes back around, then we'll revisit playing competitive golf, probably in the spring or whatever, start traveling on playing mini tour events. But right now, I mean, I've played like with no Q school for what's the point of um, doing mini tour events and playing competing other than to make money. Well, I can make money in this other way and um, through YouTube. Loving, Which, loving to compete and going and testing your skills against some of the well, best could, in, but... in the Southeast. That's, that's actually one of the benefits of, teeing it up in many tour events no i agree but i can't uh put out videos and edit videos when i'm at tournaments and so that's the focus this year is more on the youtube side of things but yeah I'm, coach and, michael he I mean, said he's a good, he's a good editor yeah really, really good editor uh I, I'm he can edit your videos i see that that's a full-time job for sure yeah and i mean honestly <laughs> i just don't have like it's weird because i don't I wish the desire to like compete right now and like stuff is just not where it needs to be. And so I'm like, I'm not going to go to a tournament when my game's like, okay, or just like subpar. And so I want to have actually be in a place where I'm a little more like sharp. I mean, I can go out and shoot in 65 or 66 right now, but like, I don't feel like it would be in my best interest if I go and sign up for a three day tournament next week, um, having practice like 
two days a week on average or three days a week of like Proud good of you, Jared. You're starting to sound more and more like your dad every day. Well, the, the only <laughs> thing I can figure, Wes, I'm going to take George's side on this one. He wants to play competitive golf again. He's bankrolling a bunch of money by doing these YouTube videos. I think it's pretty smart, honestly, and he's still playing golf every day. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I get it. I, I get what he's doing, and I would probably be doing the exact same thing, but he just posed one question, and I gave him one answer, Coach. I'm good with that. What's the yeah, point of playing mini tour events? And I gave him the reason why. Perfect. Well, okay, here's a, better, here's a better response. I would rather go film a nine-hole match with you, Wesley, than go play in a two-day mini tour event. I feel like I can get, I can get better. I have nerves. I get to watch a PJ Tour quality or PJ Tour winner in front, like live and in person. I mean, what you it get works. to see is the, is the best ball striker in the world. And that's Ooh, what you wow. get to see. I yeah. like that. It, it's just – it's proven by numbers, Coach. I can't argue with numbers. No, oh, you hey, certainly hey. can't. Speaking of numbers, we're going to segue into uh, quiz Coach McGraw on former high school players' home yeah. phone numbers. Oh, they, yeah. This is before cell, phone, cell phones. Give me name and their home phone number. Give me three of them. Um, Chad Kessler, class of 87, Edmond High School, 405-348-6980. Jay DeGear, class of 87. I guess I knew the class of 87 pretty well. 405-340-5993. And Rob Cherry, class of 88, 405-341-5977. Okay, and I, I do completely expect at least one person to fact check that, and I know that they would it, – it would come back. It would come back. Well, I'm sure they dream. will. But the, the truth is um, people are always trying to test my memory, and you, you're a great ball striker, proven by the statistics. I have an incredible memory for major champions, for phone numbers, for stuff. It's really quite astounding, actually. It, All right, give me, give me the four major winners the year that we went into World War II. Okay, so 1942? Yep. Okay, so the Masters, Byron Nelson beat Ben Hogan in 18-hole playoff. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Open, they canceled that year, and they called it the Hail America Open. The Chicago District of <laughs> Golf Association, the PGA of America, and the USGA put it on. In Chicago, Ben Hogan won, shot 16 under, or 26 under, pardon me. The uh, British Open was canceled. The Open Championship was canceled. And then uh, the PGA was won by Sam Snead, and he immediately went into the service the next morning after he won the PGA Championship trophy. Are you really thinking that was going to stump me? What's wrong with you? No, I, 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 was, I was expecting – I was going to see if you still remembered your, um, the renaming of the U.S. Open to whatever it was. Hail America Open, yeah. Yep. Hogan won that. They had the same local and sectional qualifying they had for every other U.S. Open. They gave a gold medal, for heaven's sakes. Ben Hogan has five U.S. Opens, in my opinion. That one was right there. It had all the best players in the game played. They just didn't call it that. Incredible. Uh, the problem here is we have some unfortunate ramifications. We have three people. I probably need to change their phone number. Uh, now that the Bryan brothers are on, we're just going to explode. Um, well, <laughs> they're, yeah, their home phone numbers. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do people even have landlines? No, no that's why, that's why it's safe. Those landlines are gone, I'm sure. But, uh, no, I do have a pretty unique memory. I do remember a lot of things. It's incredible. It blows my mind still to this day, some of the things, being a part of the conversations. Golly. Yeah, you know, I bet you didn't have many people in your coaching career and still to this day who would wake up a couple hours before the team was scheduled to leave and we would have breakfast together hours before our teams were even ready to go at the yeah. hotel or wherever it be. Have you had a lot of those? No, I think uh, you're <laughs> one of the few. Okay. Maybe it was just because I had such an incredible personality. You just had to spend more time around me. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. You nailed it. Well, uh, so uh, George kind of gave what he was going to be doing this year. What, what's your schedule on the PGA Tour? Well, I am, I'm going to go play next week in Sanderson, and then I'm going to take a little bit of time off, have a little bit of an off season, uh, so to speak, go play. Mexico, potentially Sea Island, and then 
have a few weeks off, fly out to Hawaii and play in the Sony, take the West Coast off while my wife has a child. That's wonderful. Um, and then ramp back up, my guess is around Honda and play a pretty full schedule. Good. So you, you've got a good, good year plan, it sounds like. And having a, yep. a new child would be amazing. Do we know if it's going to be a boy or girl? We are not going to find out until that thing pops out. Okay. If it's a boy, uh, I'd love to get a home visit, you know, a recruiting visit before <laughs> Bill McDonald does, if that's possible. I mean, what it, I, 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 we've been tossing around names of boys and girls, and I kind of like McGraw as a boy name, and I like McCall as a girl name. Okay, have at it. Let's do that. That's awesome. McGraw Brian. McGraw Brian. I love it. I, just, I think it's get, great. Make sure you get him a bunch of stuffed animals, preferably bears, you know, a, a ton of those around there. <laughs> Wesley, I'll, I'll only be 79 when he's a freshman at Baylor. Okay, I've said so, so you'll be you'll be seven years from retiring, i.e. That's about right. I don't know. I don't know when you plan on dying, but – my guess is in that 90 to 120 range. You're not going to go down without a fight. I think I would, could make it to 120. Why not? I mean, yeah. I don't know. You'll, you'll only be about 90 when that happens. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I did want to talk on a little bit of a more serious note with both of you, uh, just about something I know is very important to both of you, and that is your faith. Um, I've been, obviously, it's been a big part of my coaching career and a big part of my adult life. But um, College Golf Fellowship has been a great ministry for me. And, and Wesley, I know you do a College Golf Fellowship retreat at your house, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And yeah. I love it. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that, both of you. Just how your faith has affected your life, your career, and just things like CGF and those retreats and everything. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things I tell people all the time is it doesn't matter the the reason I have so much freedom playing golf and going out and competing and people ask about sacrificing time and with your family and all that stuff. And I, I say the main reason I keep going is I got a wife that's a hundred percent supportive. It doesn't matter whether I shoot 60 or 80, she's going to love me the same. Um, there's no, there's no performance that matters in God's eyes. Um, it's only really what, what we did and how we, shared his name as what we're going to be judged on ultimately and yeah I mean the the freedom that Christ brings for me through competition is uh something that I wish and hope for a lot of others um and it's played a major role in my life still all I've known is growing up in the church but didn't really know Christ until uh later on in high school but that's kind of my story I got an amazing wife who, I mean, talk about someone that just spurs me on in my faith every single day and challenges me um, to be better is, is Miss Elizabeth. She's great. And yeah, I love our local church. I'm definitely appreciative of College Golf Fellowship and their ministry. They've, we've got a guy that travels with us every week on tour. Um, we've got a couple of the best teachers of the word that I've ever met that are on CGF staff that pour into us every single week um, through Bible studies and retreats and all that stuff. So it's a great ministry. Um, I definitely encourage college golfers to check it out. That's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I guess I started, started going, I mean, we grew up in church. We didn't really, I mean, we were, we really weren't Jesus followers until me just a little after college, college maybe, well, I'd, say, I'd say just right after college, senior year or through college, I was kind of like on and off, whatever. Um, Jesus was all in the middle of kind of meeting my wife and getting married. And because Wesley, the church that Wesley was going to here um, while he lived in Augusta, there was this, this girl that worked at the church and Wesley had become friends with her and um, the pastor. And they were like, Wesley was like, Hey, my, my brother's single. And she, she was single. Anyway, we get, we meet, fall in love, we get married. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because, you know, I, you know, I was praying, I, you know, I want to meet a wife and I'm 28 at the time and Wesley's been married for probably six years. So I'm like, golly, am I like, am I ever going to get married? And so just staying, you know, positive praying and then through happenstance, we kind of meet. Um, and then 
the rest is history. But, you know, her story, like, she moved here to Aiken on a whim to basically be the kids' pastor um, as a um, volunteer basis. She was like, the pastor, like, hey, maybe one day this will turn into a job, but just move here with me, do kids' spring, and, you know, we'll see what happens. So, like, the, the fact that she even moved, that I even met her, um, was her stepping out in faith. And so it's just kind of cool – you know, when we go back and think about it, like, wow, you know, she wasn't obedient, you know, we're, we're not married. Um, but yeah, I think Wesley has done a way better job of playing within the, I think that's, you know, part of the reason why his attitude by nature, he's a little care, a little more carefree than me, but like playing in the freedom um, that Jesus gives is, is one of the, his keys to success um, on the golf course, because like he truly doesn't care because golf in the day is really not that big a deal. He has his faith, he has his family, and that's really all that matters to him. Golf is just something that he does. And if he makes a 12 on a hole, he's still going to be the same person as he is if he makes it two or three on a hole. Um, and so it's really, really cool to see him live that out um, when it's really not that easy to do. It is, but it isn't. Um, so it's cool. He's a um, kind of role model in that aspect. But yeah, I mean, it's got me, me it was a slow burn. Uh, a lot of made a dumb, made a lot of dumb mistakes from 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, but it got around the right people um, after college that spurred me on in the right direction. And, um, you know, I've been on that journey ever since. And it's definitely, well, definitely worth it. I personally think both of you, the fun, lighthearted nature that we see, all of the just sort of having fun with the game of golf, I think that probably starts with your faith. I think it starts with just mm -hmm. the assurance that, this is, uh, this is pretty, pretty enjoyable and God's given me this opportunity and I'm going to do the most with it that I can. So I, I really appreciate yeah. that. Just you guys, both of your perspective and just the way you carry yourselves. It's pretty amazing. Can I ask you a question, coach? Well, sure. How is it leading your squad that you have right now? And we got some good humans, good players. What, what, give me a, give me a rundown. Well, and I want your honest opinion, even though they're all going to listen to it. Absolutely. <laughs> the uh, honest thing is I'm so very excited that we have the 12 guys we've got. Two of them came back, Colin Cobra and Cooper Dossie came back and took advantage of the fifth year that the NCAA mm -hmm. gave because of COVID. And then we had 10 other players. So we've got 12 on the team. And quite frankly, it's about the easiest group of players I've ever had to work with in 35 years. Um, really good, solid kids. Um, they do all the right things. I know that they're human, so they do some things that aren't perfect as well. They're hardworking. They're, they're talented. They're a good team, no doubt, but they're just so easy to work with. So I, I have no, no heartburn at all with this team, and I can accept how many, so. how many guys are going to have under par scoring averages for this season? Mm, is that my prediction you're asking? Yes. Uh, I would say at least two, but maybe three or four. I don't know. I, I don't even know what par is anymore. We just try to shoot as low as we can, Wes. And is do you have anybody that resembles Kyle Jones on your team? So, Kyle, when I think of Kyle, I think of somebody doing it his own way. You know, Kyle, kind of sort of like we see, we saw yesterday uh, Matthew Wolf and Bryson DeChambeau in the final round of the U.S. Open. Those two guys do it their own way, which is great. Kyle's very much the same. I don't think I have anybody as unique as Kyle. Uh, Kyle was quiet, went about his business, great leader, and didn't say much. So, so you know, the other guys I have on the team are a little more vocal right now. But he just got so much out of his game. I always told Kyle this. Uh, some people have been given a lot, but you do a lot with what you've been given. And I just – I love the fact that he always maximizes everything he, he's that God gave him. So uh, – Probably nobody like Kyle. He's a different player. You know, um, I really appreciate you guys coming on today. I don't have much more for you today other than a speed round. And so you've got to survive this speed round. And we've had a lot of guests on here in this last month and a half, two months. They've all survived it. So I'm a little concerned for, you know, uh, especially for you, Wes. I'm toast. Yeah, I figured you would. All right. So I'm going to ask the question and both of you are going to be able to answer. We're going to alternate who, who answers first. So the other one doesn't copycat every time. So, George, since you're the oldest, I'm going to ask the first question. You answer it first, mm -hmm. and then, Wes, you give your answer. And then the second question, Wes will answer first and back and forth. Can you understand those instructions? I got yeah, it. I got them. Sick. Okay, here we go. George, favorite golf course you've ever played? 
old course at St. Andrews? West? Augusta, Augusta National. Okay. Uh, West, course you'd most like to play, but you haven't played yet? Uh, Cyprus. That's what was my answer. That, that was my answer, Wesley. Way to go. Okay, well, Cyprus. Uh, uh, yeah, Cyprus. Cyprus. Yeah. You know, my trusty assistant, Mikel, likes to jab at me every week that he's played Cyprus and I haven't. So that's the thing I dislike the only, about him the, the most. The only thing in the game I have on Coach McGraw is I've played Cyprus so yeah. far. Okay. My guess is you could wear them out one-on-one -on -one right now. Uh, I'd think so. I think we'd find Coach McGraw's balls, but they'd be about 170 down the middle. We might have to look for mine. So kind of it depends on the golf course, I think. Um, Cyprus, I, I'd say I have the slight edge. Okay. Well, I would too since I'm about 85 years old. Okay. Uh, dream foursome. Let's see. Wesley? Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas in his prime. Sorry, Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods in the prime at Wesley. Perfect. Wes? I'm going to go no George because I can play with him whenever. Uh, <laughs> Justin Bieber, LeBron James, and Tiger Woods. Okay, that's kind of out there. I like it. Lowest score you've ever shot in competition, George? Um, 63, the Southern Am at um, – it was at uh, where's that in Orlando? Not Isleworth, but the other place. Lake Nona. Final round. Final round. Got Lake it Nona. through fifteen. Got nervous to say the least. Wow, nice. Wes? Uh sixty-two, ten under par, US junior qualifier. <laughs> well that got you in, didn't it? National. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was that was the first round. Needless to say the second round was pretty uh pretty breezy. Okay. Uh, best advice you've ever received in golf. Easy peasy lemon squeezy from the okay. caddy in the greatest game ever played. Gotcha. Well, uh, let's see. From dad, we'll go uh, typical here, but being the same person on the course as you are off the course um, is what, like, anytime I'm myself, the George, I am off the course and play that way, I always play well. So being yeah, George, you just, you, you just used my, my example, the easy, easy peasy lemon squeezy. That's me off the course and on the course. I, know. I figured you'd go read it, roll it, hole it, George. Yeah. Read it, roll it, hole it? Read it, roll it. What, was, it was that a movie? That, yeah, yeah, it's from the greatest game ever played. All right. Shawshank Redemption or Remember the Titans? Uh, we're, I mean, now I'm an older age, definitely Shawshank. Remember the Titans. I knew you guys would disagree on that. Okay, before you answer this question – I'm going to put a qualifier on this one. Classic country or today's version of country? And before you answer, they put pop in my country, and I ain't one bit happy about it. They've just ruined country music. So before you answer it, would it be classic country or today's version? Early 2000s country, so whatever that falls in. Um, we're going to go with C. Um, no, no form of country is the best form of best country. Well, see there, George, that's the, that's the thing I dislike about you the most. <laughs> Does Taylor Swift count as country? No, she doesn't count as country at all. That's just pop music. Goodness gracious. You can do better, George. Okay. Favorite pro athlete? Wesley, Wesley, Wesley Bryan? Is that That's a good answer. Wes, who's yours? Tiger Woods. Easy. Yeah. Tiger Woods. That's okay. Uh, favorite, uh, I would ask favorite pro golfer. We know Wesley's going to say Tiger Woods. George, who? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I've always liked Ricky. He's always been like my – Oh, that's, that's my go-to answer. I ask kids, who's your favorite golfer? And they're like, never mind, I'll answer that. It's Ricky Fowler or whatever. And then I'll throw I, him I don't know. Ball. I've always – yeah, it's always been Ricky because he, he was the guy like when I was in college. And then he had success early, so I've always like followed him and enjoyed watching him play. But, yeah, it's like weird. It's like I'm a fangirl of Ricky, but we're like the same age and we're contempor contemporaries. No, you're an elder. Hey, speaking of Ricky Coates, do you remember uh, April of 2010? We are playing with you guys. Um, nope, it was 2009. April 2009. In Atlanta, and it is snowing. It is pouring down snow during the U.S. Collegiate. And I'm paired with Ricky, and Ricky is wearing only rain pants and an orange compression Under Armour shirt. <laughs> that I remember is all that. he is wearing. Yeah. And we walked off of our seventh hole, I believe it was, and he's punched a tree and now his knuckles are bleeding all over the place. And you're yelling at him 
for punching a tree. Yeah, how could you forget that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember it. And he also was gnawing on sunflower seeds the whole time and spitting them all around his golf ball as he was taking the club back. He was. Some of, some of them were hitting the golf balls, too. It was bizarre. <laughs> I remember him not being very happy that day. He didn't play well. He shot 74. Google it. All right. <laughs> Something. All right. Who am I asking this one to first? This is uh, Wes, right? Yeah. Man, that was amazing, Coach. You're welcome. Uh, so, Wes, something about George the world needs to know that no one knows, but they need to know. And keep it G-rated. This is a family show that they need to know about George. They've got to know. They can't. George will literally do anything for a free T-shirt, free gear, free whatever. Okay. He'll do anything. So before you go and offer him money to pay him for services and all that stuff, he will do it for free if you just offer him a little bit of free gear. That, that's good to know. That's really good to know. George, something that people have to know about Wesley Bryant. He is good at all these weird, random, like, things, like ping pong, darts, um, hand, anything with hand. Cornhole? Are you cornhole, kidding me? Cornhole? Like, World these class. dumb games that he will wear wow. me out in. I'm like, what, how, he'll play pool one time in two years, and he'll come, that, come out and just, like, smoke me. I'm like, dude, how are you so good? Do you, like, do you, do you have a pool table? Like, nah, dude, I'm just good. Like, okay, whatever. So anything that's like these weird games, tossing, he's good. I love hearing that. That's, uh, that's, that says a lot about you. you got a lot of confidence, don't you, Wesley? No, none. None. I didn't think so. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I, I used to say that when those uh, Garmin's first came out, <laughs> I didn't know where I was driving and the team is in the back of the van. And one day I said, uh, I would always say the term Google the Garmin, just Google the Garmin. I mean, that'll tell us where, how to get to the restaurant. And we had a freshman on the team and he was from Europe and he really didn't understand English that well. And I yelled, Google the Garmin. And he's back there on his phone. And he all of a sudden says, coach McGraw, when I Google Garmin, I, I get Garmin. Is that what you want? So anyway, not very Wait, what was What was his name? What was his name? It was Patrick Winther. Patrick Winther. Oh, Patty. Yep. I, I remember old Patrick Winther. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, guys, one last question for you, and then I think we're probably done for the day. But tell me this. What, what if we took golf away from you right now? What would life be like for you? What would you do? What would you be passionate about if you didn't have golf to play? Um, could I teach golf? <laughs> no, golf's out of the mix. So golf's not a sport. It's not a sport. Uh, I would probably be, honestly – I'd probably be a, I don't know if an elementary school teacher or a high school teacher, um, but given my mom's a teacher, dad teaches golf, I like helping younger kids naturally. So I think I would be a school teacher because okay. the idea that you get whole summers off is kind of awesome to me. <laughs> and, and the fact that I would be able to hopefully change uh, kids' life for the better. Wes? I don't know. I think I'd probably just join an esports team. Fair enough. Guys, thank you for coming on the podcast today. You've been a breath of fresh air. You guys are fun, but you've always been that way around me, and I've always appreciated that. You know, as, as a guy like me gets older and older and older, I need to have fun people around me so I don't become jaded and callous and bitter and <laughs> angry. Last thing before you get off, uh, yep. George, you're probably the, the, the best one to ask this, but will you share – you know, I'm sure all the junior golfers listening to this knows your product and knows you, your YouTube channel and stuff. But will you share if there are parents or other players that haven't seen your stuff yet where they can find you on YouTube and social media and that kind of stuff? Yeah, just hop on over, type Brian Bros Golf into YouTube, Insta, Twitter. You can find us all there. And you'll even find some of Wesley's stuff. Just, I mean, this, you might even pop up when you type in Brian Bros. <laughs> And see some of his swings on YouTube is the map. I mean, yeah, just a one, 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 one-stop shop for everything you need, Jordan Wesley. Perfect. Perfect. Well, guys, thanks a million. We appreciate it, and best of luck this year as you guys continue to navigate this pandemic we're living through. And play well, have fun. Thank you, Michael. Right, thanks so much. See you guys.
Thanks again to the Bryan brothers, George and Wesley, for coming on my podcast today. They were a breath of fresh air, a lot of fun talking to them. They had great stories. You know, I'm really an old school kind of guy, no doubt about that. I think anybody that knows me would tell you that. But I've really enjoyed watching their careers develop. I've enjoyed watching the YouTube videos that they put on, the trick shot artist, artistry that they have. They're just fun guys, and uh, they take an old, uh, old school coach like me, an old school person, and uh, and breathe new life into my into the love I have for the game. So very, very appreciative that they'd come on the podcast today and share their insights.